Today's pretty intense partner is Athletic Greens. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day. I gave AG1 a try because I wanted to nourish my gut health. I wanted to have more energy. I wanted to add more micronutrients to my body. I take it first thing in the morning before I have coffee and then before I go work out. It makes me feel so good. I'm giving my body the nutrition it craves. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash pretty intense. That's athleticgreens.com slash pretty intense. Check it out. Welcome to the Pretty Intense Podcast. You're going to need to buckle your six-point harness for this one because it was a very interesting conversation with Rich Cooper. He is an author. He wrote a book called The Unplugged Alpha. He also has a YouTube channel, Entrepreneurs in Cars, as he does like cars. He also has a podcast, The Unplugged Alpha. I've been watching his stuff on YouTube for a while. I, I just thought it would be a cool conversation because every now and again, I like to get somebody on here that, well, I think we might have an interesting and possibly contentious conversation. You know, we definitely disagreed on some things, which is gonna be interesting, but we agreed on some things too. You know, here's the deal. This is an alpha signal is that he just believes what he believes. And I think that's like a sign of anyone being an alpha is you just essentially like, you have conviction, you know who you are, you know what you believe in. I think intelligent alphas are open-minded and able to change their mind with enough information. So I'll let you decide if that's his personality or not. That's where I come from. I wanted to do the interview thinking that I hope he changes my mind on some stuff because what it will mean is that I learned something. So you'll have to listen all the way to the end to see if that happened. Enjoy the episode with Rich. Check out his podcast and his book. Please hit subscribe, hit the bell for notifications. Oh boy, let me know what you think in the comments. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Thank you for doing this, by the way. I'm really like this. I think this is going to be like a really fascinating conversation. I love having these conversations with women, to be honest with you. Really? Yeah, I've done a few of them. So um, how come? Like, fun. what's the what's uh, what is it that you like? It's just a different series of questions and enlightenment that happens. I think men wake up a different way from women. Men and women are are different. So guys usually. They're like, oh, I think I understand now why I got those results that I got. Whereas women are sort of like, huh, that's interesting. I didn't really think of it from that perspective. So do you like the women's questions or do you like women's answers? I like the dialogue. I like the conversation itself. Yeah. Do you like that it could get contentious or do you like that you could learn something new? I love contention. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> That's why this will probably be an interesting conversation. But I mean, right off the bat, like I am, I feel like I'm a pretty rational person. I'm not a feminist at all, but I am eternally fascinated by, by psychology, by evolutionary psychology, by men and women and the masculine feminine and just like all the crazy things that are going on in the world. You know, you said yes to this interview and the nature of the things that you talk about have to do with the dynamics with strong women or various different other variables in that sort of realm. So I'm curious about it all. And like, most selfishly, how I fit in. I was going to ask you a question for you. So what, so what brought you to my content? Like, why did you want to have me on for a, a podcast? In your, in your podcast, you say that every now and again, I've heard you say it's probably mostly men listening. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there and I'm laughing because I'm like, no, like 
as a woman, I'm curious to know how men really think Mm -hmm. and what men really want, Mm -hmm. because I feel like in life, like at least in my position, it feels like every man says they want like a strong, confident woman until they get one. Mm -hmm. And then it's maybe not the same reality and this, and it's, and it's challenging. Right. Um, And not because I think that I or a woman is challenging a man, but because it's triggering, because it isn't easy. It isn't you aren't you aren't just the automatic dominant. Mm -hmm. And um, and I don't really look at it like someone has to be, but an ego gets threatened. This will be a fun talk. (laughs) (laughs) So what experiences led you to the, the, the conversations you have, the work that you do? Was there one experience? Was it a series of it? Is it a lifetime? That's a great question. So there's probably three things that led me to where I arrived at and what I talk about on my YouTube channel and the stuff that I put in my book and my podcast and all that. And um, I subscribe to a sequence of what I've identified as comforting lies. Um, Like I built the safe world theory around if you just do the right thing. Like I was an entrepreneur for for 20 years. I ran Canada's uh, largest, most successful debt settlement company, Mm -hmm. uh, multiple awards for hyper growth, for culture, for employee happiness, all that sort of stuff. And we were saving people a whole ton of money getting out of credit card debt. And um, there was credit card companies and financial institutions that started lobbying the government to change the legislation. And I thought, huh, that that was interesting because we're doing the right thing. We're saving people loads of money. We're getting them out of credit card debt. They get to avoid bankruptcy. And here the banks and financial institutions are trying to change the laws to stop that. And that was like one of the first things that sort of started to unplug me from life's comforting lies. There was also the divorce as well, because most men don't really get what they expect. You think, okay, well, we'll just untie the knot. We'll go separate ways and that'll be fine. But that expectation isn't met in reality. And I guess the third thing was after I went through the lobbying effort, tried to deal with the government, the financial institutions and the divorce, and I saw what family law was like, I got involved in another long-term relationship after that with a single mom and safe world theory again, collapsed, bunch of comforting lies. You know, you ego invest into her and her kids and try to do the right thing. And a you know, step up sort of stand up sort of guy and you get betrayed and lied to and all that sort of stuff. So that's what sort of led me down this rabbit hole of, oh, let me see if I can get my head wrapped around why I keep letting myself down. Like why I'm keep, like why I keep getting disappointed around business, entrepreneurship, women, life in general. And it's like, it's not them. Like I'm not pointing and sputtering at the world or blaming anybody. It's, it's me trying to, trying to take ownership for it. And that's what like pushed me down this rabbit hole of, the red pill, the manosphere, uh, I now call it the manoswamp, um, ev- evolutionary psychology, all this sort of stuff. So it's been an interesting journey, which has you know, sort of gotten me to where I'm at today. Mm-hmm. Uh, explain right off the top, just sort of like red, pl- red pill, blue pill, black pill, what that is. Oh my gosh. You know how many pills there are now? Everybody has an ego investment and a certain belief that they then label as a pill. And when you take that pill, then that is a representation of what your ego investments are. So the basis is our red pill, blue pill. And that comes from the movie, The Matrix, where uh, what Neo offers, Morpheus, uh, you know, the blue pill, the red pill. Blue pill, you plug back into the Matrix and fall back asleep through life, you know, sort of thing. Red yeah. pill, you unplug and you go down the rabbit hole and see how far you really go. So that's where the notion of the red pill really comes from. Then you get these guys that are like black pilled, purple pilled, orange pilled, white pilled. And it's like, 
to me, it's reality and lies. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, you can color your pill whatever you want. There's just reality and there's lies. When I visited Egypt, I was introduced to an expert aromacologist who explained the healing powers of various scents. I returned home with 18 bottles of powerful essences that unlocked specific feelings and had all sorts of healing properties. I became inspired to find a functional way to deliver them in a new consumer lifestyle product. Candles became my medium. Voyant means seer, a reference to the inner eye chakra, one of the key energy points in the body essential to wellness and healing. Voyant is a doorway to openness and imagination, a catalyst in our daily journey. Whether you're connecting with others or enjoying alone time, Voyant strives to beautify the home and the soul to create a haven of peace and joy. The candle is delivered with a beautiful monogram 12-ounce stemless wine glass, which can be used after the wax is gone. My limited edition candle collection is available exclusively at voyantbydanica.com. So that's red and blue? Basically, yeah. <laughs> what was your first like red pill moment? Um, I'm going to say it probably started with the divorce when, you know, you're... You married the wrong person. Okay, this isn't going to work out. I don't want to spend the rest of my life trying to fix something that's not fixable. Let's just untie this knot and call it a day. Um, it's not as easy as that. And I think the first red pilling moment was when I got on the phone with my family lawyer and he did the prenup for me too. And I got on the phone with him, you know, a few years later and I said, look, you know, I think this isn't going to work out. We need to get out of this. Uh, you know, how do we get the ball rolling sort of thing? And he, it was a half an hour conversation. I'm driving my car and I was in a position where I was just like, are you serious? Like this, this is how things go in family law. I thought you just got divorced. I didn't realize that you've got issues to deal with like false domestic violence charges. You're probably not going to see your kid. If you're a father, you don't want to go to court. You're going to lose, you know, all of these things that sort of popped up in the conversation. I'm like, well, well, hold on a second. I thought men and women were equal. Like didn't, didn't feminism level the playing field for everybody and we can just part ways, but no, it's not that simple. So that was probably the first red pilling moment. I think it's also one of the first red pilling moments for a lot of guys too, is when they start going through the divorce machine as well. There's definitely a lot of sticky areas in there and whether if kids are involved or, and sort of like the, the, the direction that that usually goes with custody or I don't, I don't know. I, I have been divorced, but I don't have kids. Um, but also just, you know, even talking about like allegations, like women do get away with a lot. I really think there's a lot on both sides. Like there's a lot that men get away with. There's a lot that women get away with. And it's a matter of just stopping the bullshit of getting away with something and just be, have integrity and have honor and do the right thing. That's what you'd hope for. But the reality isn't that from the perspective of the usually the leave or because there's a leave and a leave or yeah and and the person leaving the other that wants to stay in the relationship doesn't want it to end so you're in a bad bargaining position if you're a dude leaving a woman and she wants you to stay and family law is almost completely on her side well to be honest family law is mostly completely on the side of the person that makes more money that brought more to the table if you have kids it's also on the side of the person that gave birth to the kid in, in most instances, because women are hypergamous by nature, they tend to marry across and up on the socioeconomic scale. So they tend to marry up to guys for the most part. Not all women do. Um, so guys are in a position where they have to deal with that whole, okay, well, what do I deal with? You know, like, how do I deal with everything I brought to the table? How do I deal with my future income? You know, the notion that someone that you married for a few years has rights to 
a decade or decades or even a lifetime of your future income is absolutely absurd to me, given sure. that men and women are equal under the you know the guise totally. of you know feminism today. Let's talk about that hypergamy. I basically sit here in my life and go, I'm fucked. Like, what do I do? Right? I if a woman dates lateral and up and a man dates, or sorry, a woman dates lateral and up and a, and a man dates sort of lateral and down when it comes to success and finances, status, and a woman is intelligent, that hurts her, earning, intelligence, whatever. Like, what the, what do I do? I'll tell guys in honesty that you're in a better position to marry a woman that's on the same par as you, if not higher, right? Because that almost removes most of the risk of losing your nest egg and any future income. Um, My ex-wife's a lawyer, you know, she's very successful. Um, so that really wasn't a huge issue as far as, you know, nest egg and division of assets. It was more dealing with, you know, the child custody issues with that daughter. Um, but for women that, you know, like you, like, I assume that you've done well in life, you know, you've raced cars. Um, I don't know, you know, what the total record is, although I am a huge car enthusiast, but I don't watch a lot of car racing. I don't, it's weird because I love driving supercars, but I don't like watching other people drive supercars. I don't find it as interesting as drive them myself. Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I don't watch that much racing, but now that I do more commentating and I'm a host for, I do a little bit for F1 NASCAR and IndyCar. I obviously keep up with everything, but yeah, like- yeah, yeah. I really find the job they did on the Netflix series, um, Drive to Survive, really good on the Formula One thing. But setting that aside, um, it's 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 got to be difficult for you if you're a successful woman to find a guy and get into a long term relationship because the thing with successful older guys is like men peak a, a little bit later on in life than women do, right? Like men reach their sexual market peak or in their late thirties. And the thing that women don't like is they peak in the early 20s. And that's just an unfortunate reality of the sexes. And it's always been that way. Men have always been success objects to women and women have always been beauty objects to men. So men tend to date younger women. Going to peak though, what does peak mean? Well, um, men are valued based on on their competency skills, what they can do, um, you know, the, like, that, like that little dent that they can put in the universe sort of thing. Whereas men don't usually care about women's degrees. They don't usually show a lot of interest in their degrees on the wall framed in mahogany with little letters after the name sort of thing. It's grand and it's noble and all that sort of stuff, but there's no guy that ever said, oh yeah, look at the degree on her, right? Guys will look at a woman and say, look at whatever on her, or she's walking away sort of thing. That's how men operate. You know, they're, they're visual in the sense that they see women as beauty objects and they've always been treated as beauty objects, even though society tries to change that today. So peak then for women's appearance is early value. 20s. value actually um it's value yeah it's actually so, yeah, based I'm on a lot to understand of understand what the peak is and if peak yeah. is but uh, fertility is peaks money is peak beauty is what's what's the peak well that's that's the definition that they're trying to change today right because we women have valued men based on what they can bring to the table right like what resources they have available to them to provide and preside over the family and the children and protect and all that sort of stuff uh women's value has historically always been around their beauty and their fertility um you know when they survey cross-culturally across all continents all religions and they show a lineup of every man from 18 to like 75 i think the uh, survey was done under uh you know a lineup of women from all ages all the way up to 75 from 20 they universally almost all pick about 22 23 year old women you know, as far as like beauty standards. So that's just the way that society has always operated. So as a beautiful, attractive woman, maybe, you know, such as yourself, that's also had a successful career, 
that's competent, influential on social media, uh, does commentating, you know, let's say on racing events and, and stuff like that. Um, there's not a lot of guys that are like, oh my God, she's, um, you know, her voice or, or her commentary on that program is so valuable to me. What guys look at is the beauty aspect of a woman, right? Like that's, that's why women wear makeup, dye their hair, you know, wear push-up bras and accentuate, you know, their body curves and their lines with things like heels and stuff like that. Um, as much as society wants to change that today and say things like you're beautiful at any weight, like that's one of the big lies that I think that feminism tells women is you're beautiful at any size. It's just not true. Right. Um, there are standards that men are drawn to when it comes to beauty and obesity is not one of them. It's not healthy either. Like it's I, not healthy. I mean, either. Like I wouldn't want to invite a woman that's obese and diabetic into my life. I don't want to deal with that. There's a, uh, evil psychologist, his name's Dr. Ware, Dr. Warren Farrell. Uh, he's written several books. I think one, one of the ones that stood out was, uh, the myth of male power. And he's done a few others like the boy crisis and, and things like that. And one of the observations that he made over his uh, career, like, you know, decades of, of studying all this material is basically that you can distill it down to that men are success objects and women are beauty objects. And that's how the sexes view each other. Do you think that's right? doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. That's just how we've always viewed each other throughout history. I don't know. I mean... I think we we don't grow and evolve without a discussion, without changes. So it would imply that there's nothing wrong with anything and that there's no need to grow and evolve. And, you know, I think that, I don't know, I think that there's still a discussion around that. Is that the right thing? Is that is that right? Because I think that, you know, when we expand on that and we go into like value, I think I saw something that you had written that said, like, if you took sex out of mm. the uh, relationship, 90% of women would have nothing to offer. Yeah. And if you took money out of the relationship, then 90% of men would have nothing to offer women. Explain that. That's actually something that I came across in comedy, believe it or not. I get a lot of my material from comedy that I, you know, summarize in my videos and my um, social media. So if men lost their, their, their status, their success, the wealth, their influence, their competency, uh, in society, then 90% of women probably wouldn't stay with those guys. Like the reason why women generally leave relationships and marriages and women leave marriages 80% of the time, it's not generally men that leave marriages. It's generally women that leave. And when women leave, it's because they feel like they can do better with another guy, right? Um, this guy that I'm married to that I've had my 2.1 kids in the white picket fence in the station wagon. He just sits around and watches sports all day. He's put on 150 pounds. He can't keep a job down. He doesn't even know how to change a light bulb. I have to call my dad to come over and take care of stuff like that. These are the sorts of things that women don't want to deal with. Right? So when I speak to men, I'm constantly telling them chase excellence, right? Like you can't let your guard down. You can't retire. You cannot stop, you know, pursuing passion. You cannot stop putting a dent in the universe because if your wife, your woman, your girlfriend wakes up in the morning and she looks at you and thinks to herself, I'm stuck with a loser, there's a good chance she's probably going to leave because marriage isn't forever anymore. You know, the knot is untied all the time. Um, we're not particularly good as a species at monogamy. So that's where that notion comes from. And on the flip side of the coin, I mean, if a woman is uh, like 90% of guys would leave relationships if sex was removed from the equation. If his wife or his girlfriend all of a sudden announced and said, look, I'm just going to become celibate. I've gotten right with God. I don't want to have sex anymore. I'm going to become you know, the Virgin Mary, whatever. He's going to be like, huh, that's interesting. Because the reason why I'm here is for access to easy, frequent, and you know, amazing sex. That's why really? guys get married. That's oh, yeah. it? 
That's the main reason why guys get married. Believe it or not, they think that when they get, see the biggest complaint that guys have when they get married, if you take a look at their Google search history is they start looking up words like, why doesn't my wife want to bang me? Why doesn't my wife want to have sex with me? How do I get my wife to have sex with me? Could you imagine being married as a, a man and you're Google searching, how do I get my wife to have sex with me? There's a lot of marriages out there that are completely sexless, right? So when you remove sex from the equation and the sad part of it is a lot of guys, they won't change that. They'll just resort to something like pornography. So they won't leave the relationship. They won't end the marriage. It's generally not to their advantage to do that because they'll lose so much. So they'll just stay. In the heart of Napa Valley lays Somnium, which means to dream in Latin. The Somnium Vineyard Estate is an extension of the love and intensity that I pour into everything I do. To experience our wines, visit SomniumWine.com and use the code Somnium to receive a $10 flat shipping rate. Please drink responsibly. Lose what? Could be wealth, could be future wealth, could be access to their kids. It depends. Could be all those things. So you're saying there's nothing else that a woman offers if it isn't sex. They don't offer comfort. They don't offer safety. They don't offer companionship. They don't offer taking care of things. They don't offer planning nice things for someone. They don't offer cooking or cleaning or I didn't say that. like anything like that. No, I didn't say that. But women don't offer safety to me. I offer safety to women. Yeah, but all the other stuff you're talking about, comfort, companionship, love, all that sort of stuff, of course. But the main reason why men get into relationships with women is for sex. What areas of value is it that you believe a woman has beyond has to be more than sex? Well, I, I have greater standards than just sex, right? Like I have a girlfriend, yeah, she's, exactly. you know, she's got great culinary skills. She's fun to be around. We laugh, we joke, we have similar interests. Like I like cycling. So we go for bike rides a lot in the summertime. So it's, it's beyond just sex, but the main reason why men mate select a woman is because of sexual intimacy. That's just the way, like, that's why we're here on the earth to scatter seed, right? We're not here to build skyscrapers and roads and drive electric cars. We're here to scatter seeds. Like that's our bio, that's our biological imperative. What do you think about the idea that the world is overpopulated? Do you believe in that? Or do you believe it's not getting populated enough? I don't know. I mean, a lot of the stuff you hear in mainstream media, there's just so much of it that I really question now, especially since the scamdemic and that, you know, that, that, that game they put, they uh, pulled on us a few years ago. It seems pretty obvious to me when I'm on a flight and I look out the window, the amount of barren land there is out there that we don't right. occupy. So I don't really buy this, you know, this notion that we're overpopulating the earth, you know, at this stage of the game. Um, you know, when I'm on a flight and look at the window and there's humans everywhere, like ants, then I'll say, okay, maybe we have a problem, but it seems like it's not really an issue. I don't know. What do you think? No, I don't think so either. I think that, you know, I mean, women are not having, are getting married later. They're having kids later. They're not having as many. I don't think couples are having as many kids as they used to. They're not needed for farming and taking care of the property and various different things that I think that in many, many decades ago was probably more important. I think that fertility is probably down in general across the board, but especially in men, testosterone is definitely down a mm -hmm. large degree. You probably know more about that statistic than I do. It's brutal. Um, so I don't think that it's driving driving the numbers up. I think it's you want to, I mean, if you want to go down the rabbit hole on things like testosterone, I can, I can blow your mind on that one too. I'd love it to blow, blow my mind. Testosterone levels in men have been de like declining massively, especially in the last 60, 70 years. Um, they know that testosterone levels a thousand years ago were much, much higher than what they are today. Cause they can tell 
by two reasons. One is a bone structure in the jawline of uh, men. Mm -hmm. um, you know that men will have a chiseled square sort of jawline when they have high testosterone. The other thing too is the ring finger on men, this one here should be longer than, than the middle finger if they have really? high testosterone. Exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> most men, myself included, have you know shorter ring fingers than they do middle fingers. Um, huh. There's very few men that, that naturally have higher testosterone today, but but back in the you know the years back a thousand years ago, let's say, you're at a dig site, you know, doing your excavation, you're going to notice that you know, like it's like it's easy to spot male skeletons from from female skeletons because of those two distinguishing factors, along with the um, hip uh, ratios too. Um, so there's lots of things that have been happening in the last 50 or 60 years that have contributed to that even further. And it's like, um, there's a, there's a great author, his name's Dr. Anthony J. And he wrote a book called Estrogeneration and he, and he breaks down in many of the areas that are contributing to this. And it's, it's mostly chemicals that, that we're consuming on our skin, in our mm -hmm. body, uh, yeah. through plastics. agriculture plastics, mm -hmm. like, like plastics leach into a lot of, uh, foods and liquids. And even though they call them BPA free, they still convert to estrogen in your body. One of the biggest contributors, um, happens to be the tap water. And most people don't know this, but the vast majority of, well, most people know the vast majority of women are on birth control in many provinces and States. It's free. The government just gives it away, you know, for free, like it's candy. So, um, women are taking their birth control and as they urinate the hormone you know, the leftover hormone gets urinated out as it's excreted, goes through the uh, sewage and septic system. They clean out, you know, large particles of poop and all that sort of stuff, anything that gets flushed down, but they can't clean out hormones, right? They can, but they don't. It's interesting because I asked him, you know, when I was talking to him, I said, do they know at these water treatment facilities that there's estrogen in the water? And he said, yes, they know, but they're not doing anything about it. So there's a role that the state itself plays in the softening and the weakening of the Western male. And it's not good for women either, by the way, because now you've got women that have elevated levels of estrogen as well, too, which aren't particularly, you know, serving them, but sure. his work and his content mostly, you know, talks about men. And that's why you get these, you know, younger guys. Like, I don't know how many guys I've come across now in their late twenties and thirties that are telling me they've had to use IVF to conceive both them and their wife. And then that, that's unusual, right? Um, does it affect directions too? It does. It does. If you're, if you're estrogen dominant and you don't have high enough levels of testosterone, you're going to have erectile dysfunction, right? I mean, one of the biggest things that guys notice if they go on TRT testosterone, uh, replacement therapy is erection quality improves almost immediately. Right. Um, so there's a huge, you know, there's a huge market out there for pharmaceuticals. They make lots of money off it. The government now has you know, a softer, more compliant society that's more agreeable. Uh, you know, they got people to wear face diapers for two years and stand on dots and take experimental jabs. Um, you know, and set, what is it? Seventy-eight percent of the world complied with that. Huge, huge numbers, right? But is high that, testosterone is that indicative males. Of, is that indicative of the percentage of people that are considered unplugged? That's the percentage of the people that are plugged in. That's the, you know, that's what I would call them plugged in. You know, that, you know, seventy-eight percent, and the rest of them are probably unplugged, or they're or they're getting there. What is, do you think there's um, a conspiracy for population control? Do you think that somebody like Bill Gates is trying to wipe <laughs> people out? I mean, I'm like, I live on the West coast and I'm like, it's been raining forever. I live in Arizona. It's sunny every day here. I'm like, nah, I think it's chemtrails. I think there's, I think they're polluting the air and making it rain and making us miserable by not letting the sun shine. Cause it's super abnormal. Yeah. There's all kinds of 
theorists out there and tin full tin tinfoil hat wearers that, that that have their own interesting theories. And I think you know to some degree to give a room of authoritarians credit for you know uh, engineering the pussification of the Western male, you know, sort of thing is a way that I like to call it. I don't know that that there's those those guys that are doing that, but it seems awfully convenient that it's all these things happening simultaneously. Like they know that seed oils are not good for you. They know that um, putting oxybenzones in sunscreen converts to estrogen in the body, but they still sell it. Like they know that certain foods are bad for you. I mean, you can't say there isn't a conspiracy for it though, because like Bill Gates is a makes computers, but then he started making medicine and then he started, now he's buying farmland, all the farmland. You're right. Right. So, you know, something is going on there. Something is definitely going on with some of these elitists, you know, the Klaus Schwab crowd. Give me sort of like the, you know, the description of the unplugged male and and um, what they stand for and the kind of personality they have. Well, the guy that's unplugged that is viewed as an alpha by society and by women is is living his life on on his terms understands you know exactly what is going on or questions what is going on until he understands it correctly doesn't comply doesn't conform isn't one of these npc types that gets outraged over everything the mainstream media pumps out at you npc um, npc you know these uh like these clones you know these uh sheeple you know they say uh Oh, uh, Putin bad. He invaded Ukraine. All of a sudden, everybody on social media changes their social media profile to I stand with Ukraine. Okay, great. Do you know the full like these are your NPC sort of uh, crowds? Um, So these are the guys that are that are paying attention to these things are essentially what I call drawing a perimeter around themselves and divides us versus them. And that's not a popular answer with people that are looking for answers like, well, what do we do to solve the problem? How do we fix this? You know, how do we, you know, how do we return to a place that our grandparents, you know, sort of lived in? And I don't think we can. I don't think that, you know, small, small crowds of the unplugged, if that's what, you know, you want to call them, you know, can get together, rally the troops and and fix things. Um, If you're going to rely on the government to do anything like that, I think, I think the, uh, the U.S.'s best chance of fixing something like that was the guy that was your last president. And let's be honest, he didn't do anything when the country was burning down. You know, he just stood there and let the cities fight over things and burn themselves down. And he didn't do that much, you know, in my view, in my estimation anyway, although he talked a big talk and had a great talk and a great pitch and all that stuff and make America great again. Uh, I've been to the States a few times in the last few years, and I don't think it's great again. It's the same as what it was 10, 15, every other visit that I've ever had, right? It's just sort of yeah. trending in that direction. So I don't I'm think not anything that really changes that much. There's, it doesn't. Yeah. It's so, just like it's this this distraction. I mean, I think it's all distraction. It's like goes so red, it goes so blue. It's like the pendulum you know, swings. Um, you know, interest rates go up, they go down, the Federal Reserve comes in and fixes things. It's like there's just it's just chasing your tail and distraction. If they want to impress me with change, get out of my life. Keep your hands out of my pocket, my bank account, and just yeah. leave me alone. Right? Yeah, that'll impress me. You know, with change, then I'll <laughs> then I'll start saying, okay, now we're heading in the right direction. But more of the stand on your dots, wear a face diaper, take five of these jabs. You're not allowed to say this. Oh, you can't uh, address me this way because I have pronouns and that hurts my feelings. And then you've got the alphabet crowd and the like, all these other crowds out there that are always offended about by something. It's like that's 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 predominant now, right? And I want to control my part of the universe, the people that I love, uh, my family, 
the people that I've drawn the perimeter around us versus them. So I'm more of a enjoy the decline kind of guy. It's like, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do. I don't have any impact on that. Let them do what it is that they got. I've got impact on my inner circle and what I can control and what I believe. That's what I'll handle sort of thing. So that's enjoy the decline meaning. Well, it's, it seems like with the direction that society's going and what they're doing to humanity, that it is on a decline. Like, let's be honest, like, um, Things like, uh, you know, we talked earlier about feminism, right? Like feminism was an equality movement. And I think it's gotten to that part. Like, would you agree as a woman? That it is equal or that well, feminism is still alive well, or Men what? and women can do anything, right? I mean, you want to drive a, I mean, you want to drive a race car? You did it. Right, right, right. right. So I, it's I not do like, believe, yeah, I, I do I believe mean, you can. I think probably the, again, I'm not a feminist, so I, uh, but I mean, maybe the judgment of it exists, but there's pretty much nothing you can't do. Correct. So that's my point. Like feminism has gone past the point of equality. Like men and women can pretty much do anything they want. You know, we're different in different regards. We've got strengths and weaknesses, but there's, you know, there's really nothing stopping anybody from doing something that they want. There's, there's, there's people that have this oppression mentality, like this victim mindset. And the unfortunate part with that is if you have a victim mindset, you have to have an oppressor. And if you're a feminist then your oppressor is automatically going to be men. So now you're hating men sort of thing. So I think that the feminist movement has gone past equality and now turned into a supremacy movement where it's demanding the subjugation of men. Um, and in many cases, some people would argue white men. So, uh, it's, it's not a, a great trajectory and I don't see that changing anytime soon, which is why I'm more of the, ah, you know, let them do what they're going to do. The mainstream media has, you know, full control with the exception of places like Twitter, I think, which has changed for the better with Elon Musk, you know, taking it over and, and trying to balance it. But I think we've seen most social media outlets and most, most mainstream media parrot what liberalism wants it to parrot, what toxic feminism wants it to parrot. Um, it's always looking, looking for some victim. It's always looking for the subjugation and weakening of males. So it, it just seems to be more of a supremacy movement than a movement about equality anymore. And I don't know if you agree with that. Like, what do you think about that statement? I'm curious on your thoughts. I think generally culture is living in very much a victim mentality, um, identity politics spiral of like, there's always something to glom onto, to, um, defer accountability and um i think well, that's a lot probably one of the biggest problems victim now isn't it everyone's a victim of something right and there's a reason for lacking success or la- lacking progress or lacking lacking whatever it is um that you that you want to put your finger on there's you could come up with a reason right and i think probably in my own life accountability has been what i've most been been most proud of like whether it's accountability for my emotions, accountability for my reality that I live in in every space. It's like, it's up to me. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I stopped looking to other people to help me make that happen, then it's like pretty freeing. Um, where did you get that from? Where did I get that from? Yeah. Um. Probably enough time pointing the finger, probably enough time. I'm pretty like good in the professional realm of things, but personal realm, when I stopped pointing the finger at other people and started just asking what's my part in this, mm-hmm. then if you become liberated, happier. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Yeah. And most people don't live life that way. It's it's no. it's somebody else's fault that they're at where they're at. Yeah. 
right? And that's what I think a lot of society has conditioned themselves to believe and understand now. It's like, you know, if that guy over there has money, then he's bad because money is the root of all evil. Or uh, if that guy over there is in fit and healthy shape with six pack abs at, you know, 50 years old, what's he trying to compensate for? You know, mm-hmm. why does he think he needs to do that? Who is he trying to impress? Right. Sort of mm-hmm. So, you know, there's all this, all this pointing and sputtering at, you know, different people out there and envy and jealousy is a, it's a horrible emotion. And I see a lot of it out there, you know, like, um, I obviously have an online presence. Like I get, I'm getting seven to 10 million views a month on the stuff that I'm doing. So I get hate. Right. And, you know, I'm and always girls and some girls, yeah, you know, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> we'll figure out if you're a hater, if you're a <laughs> liker by the end of this podcast, I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated, not, okay. I'm fascinated. So, yeah, it's, so more, it's much more on liking than hating because I'm it. fascinated. I love the discussion. Got it. Yeah. So, so I get hate and I get love obviously, but, but I mean, like the haters are the ones that I'm always interested in. Cause it's like, okay, well, if this person's criticizing me, then where is this coming from? Sure. Like, would I want to trade my life for your life? What do you do for a living? What have you accomplished? What do you look like? What are your views and opinions? And it's funny because, you know, there's a digital footprint. So you can click through on people. You can click through on them on, on social media, on YouTube videos. You can see what they subscribe to, what they watch. Mm-hmm. You can see what their tweets are all about on Twitter. And it's pretty obvious to me that that jealousy and envy, like all this hate always comes from beneath you because nobody ever gets jealous of a loser. People only get envious and jealous of somebody that they want to be or to be yeah. like or to have things that they have sort of thing. So I find this I find this dynamic interesting today where it's like people spend a lot of time, effort and resources trying to bring, bring somebody else down. And it's like, yeah. wouldn't it be a lot easier just bring yourself up to their level? Well, what does it take to do that? What does it take in your life? I'm guessing, obviously, you've, you're in that space. So what is it that tips them over? Because I think some of the problem is it's not that people don't want to get better. It's not that people don't want to want the pathway forward. They don't actually know they need it. Yeah, that's an interesting question because it's, is it's, they don't need it. They don't know how to do it. Has it, has it been um, like squeezed out of them? Like, is it something that's been engineered out of them through, uh, you know, through their upbringing? Um, one of the things that's changed culturally over the last couple of generations is we have more kids today raised in a single parent household than we ever have in, in the entirety of history. Um, most households in my dad's and grandparents' generation, obviously, were not single parent households. Most households today are single parent households and they're, and they're mostly moms. Um, Well, they've probably progressively gotten smaller just in the community scope to further back would be like grandparents and uncles and aunts and cousins. And like it's shrunk, 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 shrunk all the way down to one parent, essentially. Yeah. And um, they're not doing a great job. I mean, you know, the results are in most like the vast majority, like when it comes to like high school year kids, um, the vast majority of gang activity, teenage pregnancies, runaways, uh, terrible marks in school, incarceration, they're all from single parent ha- households. And if you remove the father from the household, what do you think is going to happen, right? There's an interesting story that I heard one time about um, the almost extinction. I think it was a white rhin- white rhinoceros in Africa. I might have butchered you know, the breed of rhino, but it was, but it was a rhino. And poachers were, were killing off male adult elephants for their ivory tusks. And what ended up happening was the young male elephants were charging these rhinos just out of fun, you know, just out of shits and giggles, because there was no adult males to reel them in and keep control of them. Um, so they found when they started to reintroduce adult males and they and they got rid of the poaching, the white rhinos stopped dying off because the young adult males stopped charging and killing them. So, you, like, you need men and women 
in a good society. It's, you know, it's required. And the problem is, is that, you know, guys were considered the head of the household at one point, right? They were the leaders. They were the ones that were respected and looked upon, but today men are mocked. I mean, I grew up on a steady diet of sitcom. Um, you probably saw shows like, uh, you know, Home Improvement, Tim Taylor, The Cosby Show, stuff like that when you're growing up. And the fathers were really always portrayed to me as a bumbling idiots, right? And I think, you know, that's just one of the small elements that have that have contributed to the to the change and the decline of the West, right? Mm-hmm. I think this is a good time to talk about roles. It's something I'm curious in my own life about. I've asked many people that, but like what is a man and a woman's role in a relationship? That's a great question because those roles, they try to overlap them now. You know, one of the words that, re- that really grinds my gears is partner. I don't know about you, but whenever I hear somebody say, oh, my, oh, my partner, okay, is it your husband? Uh, are you lesbian? You know, is she a woman? Like, why are we using the word partner? Like, why aren't we using husband, my boyfriend, my man, my woman, my wife, my babe, you know, whatever it happens to be. Um, I mean, it would be, it'd be to share. It'd be that, you know, like, you know, for instance, say you're married, you have kids or you're together, you have kids, whatever it is. And, you know, the, the dad is like, I'm going to babysit. It's like, no, no, you're going to be a father. You're going to, you're not going to babysit. Like they're like, you know, do you think that I always have, do I always have to wash dishes? Do you always have to take the garbage out? You don't, I can do that. You can, you can wash dishes. Like it doesn't, I think partner is implying that it's, we're in this together and that we share, we pick up the pieces when we need to. And it's not always going to be these roles for this person, these roles for that person. We're going to help each other. That's the point of being a partner. Yeah. That's, that's the ego investment that you have in that story. So let me sort of um, you know, dive down that rabbit hole a little bit, because I think for the vast majority of history, um, a friend of mine calls them pink jobs and blue jobs, right? Like he does the blue jobs, wife does the pink jobs. Um, he's cutting the grass, shoveling the snow, uh, taking care of the car maintenance, you know, she's running the kids to the doctor's appointments, uh, you know, preparing meals, stuff like that. So, and that's fine because, you know, men have strengths and, and women have strengths. Agreed. And there's a reason why the vast majority of men, um, are in fields like roofing, oil rigs, um, you know, construction, engineering, all this sort of stuff. And women are more into nursing and childcare and teaching and and stuff like that. And that's like one of the, you know, big complaints that feminism has about the world is women are paid 70 or 80 cents on a dollar for every dollar that a man makes sort of thing. It's like, no, if you're working, you know, 14 days straight on an oil rig, you know, 12 hours a day and you're working at a childcare center for seven hours, just, you know, feeding some kids and, you know, hurting some cats in the playground, he's probably going to make more money than you. So let's not go there. Right. So, I I mean, I got paid more than most men, so I, I don't subscribe to that argument. Yeah. And there's certain fields where women do get paid more than most men. Like I know a guy that's usually race car driving. Maybe you're right. Um, (laughs) I don't, I don't know much about what that is, but there are but I mean, you also had GoDaddy sponsorships. You had a lot of other opportunities to increase your income too, right? But there are certain fields where women do make more money than men in yeah. the exact same field. Like I have a, a friend that spent a few years in the porn industry and the amount of money that women make as, as porn actors is significantly more than what men do, right? So they want to watch because there's more people watching them. It's per, just exactly. Demand. Yeah. There's more demand because that's what people are watching, not watching the dude. I get um, it. So as far as like the roles goes, you know, back to your original question, I mean, for you, it's different though, Danica, because I, 
like one of the things that I noticed with you that other women do that you don't do is most women start sentences with, I feel like, and you'll notice this when you go back and you watch this video, but every time you start a sentence is I think, and rational thought comes from, I think, so you're going to have a different perspective from the majority of women that want to be wives that want to be stay at home and make babies and take care of a household sort of thing, because they're going to do that. I, I feel like I, I feel like this and that sort of thing. The other thing. So you'll have a slightly different perspective and there's going to be an, a ideology of partnership in some of your thinking because of your accomplishments, because you're successful too. Right. So I get that that's where you're coming from, but for most of society, it's, yeah. it's usually blue right. jobs and pink jobs. Right. That exists at home for, I mean, like when I'm with someone that happens, Yeah, you know, he's like, no, no, great. Let me take that garbage. I'm yeah, I'm going to get that. I'm like, okay. There's a certain degree of ownership that you have to take in a relationship as a man. Like one of the things that I found myself doing over the years, when I kind of dove down this rabbit hole and got into the evil psych and the whole red pill stuff, it's like, if I'm walking down the street with my girl and she's on the outside, close to the road where traffic's coming, I'll flip her around and put her on the inside and I'll stand on the outside to protect her. Right. So that's a man's role. I would not expect a woman to do that. Like that's not equal partnership. That is my job to protect mm -hmm. you. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's certain things where it's like, sure, you know, you want to take out the garbage, take out the garbage. It's fine. Right. But I'm not going to ask you to shovel the driveway or operate the snowblower, things like that. Right? You know what I mean? What do you think is being triggered in a woman? If she's like, I got it. Or like, you know what you think I can't do that. I mean, I've been guilty of saying like, I got it, mm -hmm. but I'm not one to say like, you think I can't like, that's not what I'm trying to say. It's just, sometimes it's a waste of time. I'm halfway to the mm -hmm. garbage can or whatever the situation may be. But, um, but what, what, what is being like, we're going to go both sides here, but what is being triggered? Do you think in a woman that she like, what's the, what's the, what's the solution for this, um, mindset? Uh, well, you know, the solution and what's created are two different things. So let's deal with what's created. So I think that a lot of where we're at today, where it's like, you know, the strong independent woman sort of narrative, like, like the boss girl, I think a lot of that has come from, you know, women hearing for decades now that men and women are the same, a uh, woman can do anything a man can do. A woman needs a man, like a fish needs a bicycle sort of thing. And that's where you get these strong independent women where they're like, I got it. You know, I can take care of it sort of thing, right? Like, I don't need help with that. Leave me alone, get your hands off it sort of thing. And that's going to that's going to be problematic in the relationship because at the end of the day, she, she really doesn't like, do you really want to take the garbage out? No one wants to take the garbage out. Right. You know what I mean? Like I'll take the garbage out when it's garbage day. Don't sweat it. <laughs> <laughs> what should, what is it that, that leads to a strong partnership that a man and a woman should agree on as far as the roles in the relationship go? I think that's a conversation that you should have before you get into a live-in type of relationship, right? It's, it's like, look, for me, it's pretty clear. I'm a leader. I'm going to take on, you know, the blue jobs, let's say, right? I don't need you, you know, ch swapping out the snow tires for the summer tires. I don't need you, you know, picking up heavy things. Like I'll, like I'll pick up the heavy things. I got it. Right. Like I'm, like I'm built that way, but I need you to, uh, apply those amazing culinary skills that you have to make dinner for me, right? Because I like to eat, right? So for me, like when I was selecting a girlfriend, um, one of the things that I was looking at as far as criteria was I didn't want a boss girl. 
I wanted a woman that would enter my frame and uh, be a compliment to my life, not complicate it sort of thing. And that's difficult for guys like me to find today because a lot of women are, you know, the boss girl sort of crowd. And they're like, you know, I need a man like a fish needs a bicycle, which is funny because usually as soon as something breaks or they need help with something that masculine, you know, skills are applied to, then they're now, you know, the little girl that needs help sort of thing. So it's an interesting dynamic. And I think it's difficult for men to, to deal with. But I think at the same time, you know, as you're a woman and you're navigating this, you've been told your entire life to be strong and independent, right? Um, to be successful, to be, you know, to get the degrees and chase excellence and all that sort of stuff. But uh, that's not what men find attractive. That's not what what most men seek in a woman. Although there is a contingent of men out there that are that are still of the belief that men and women are equal and that we should share exact responsibilities. And, you know, Monday nights, you take care of the kids and Tuesday nights, I'll take them to, you know, swimming classes sort of thing. And, you know, Wednesday nights, I'll do the cooking and cleaning and Thursday nights, you do the cooking, and cleaning and Friday nights, date night sort of thing. So those things are, are applied a lot to life. I'm not saying they're right or wrong. I'm just saying that for me, with the kind of guy that I am, I would be the leader. I'd be the alpha male. I would be the one that would, um, you know, basically set the tone for the relationship and she would enter it, benefit from it, but also be a compliment to it. Like when I go out for dinner, my girlfriend never like pays when I travel, like I just came back from Mexico. So when I travel, she doesn't pay, right? Like the flight's taking care of the, the hotel. Like you see what I'm saying? Like, that's the kind of guy that I am. And that's the kind of girl that I want. And as, um, you know, you can call it as a, as a consequence of that, but, but as an outcome of that, she prepares wonderful meals. You know, she loves me. She's accommodating. If I'm sick, she'll take care of me. If, uh, if I need her to pick something up, you know, when she's heading over, she'll pick it up. There's no, I'm not going to do that for you. It's, you know, she's, she's, she's pleasant. You know what I mean? Well, you said the word, um, equal and you implied, you know, you said that, you know, there's an idea that men and women are equal, which you're implying that they're not. They're different. There's a difference That's between fair. equality difference and difference. Fair. Difference is fair. Anybody watching this right now knows that men and women are different. We look completely different, right? Yeah, men and women different. look completely different. We have different skill sets. Men totally. have men have like a third more upper body strength than women have, right? There's there's a reason why Pick men go to war. Up. Yeah. The, there's a reason why, you know, men go to war. There's a reason why when, when a transgender male competes in a female sport, he destroys and dominates all <laughs> women, right? Exactly. Like men and women are different. It's not fair. But, but fairness, now, that's interesting that you brought that up. Now, fairness is usually, I find anyway, when with most people, it's like, well, that's not fair. And it's like, no, men and women are still different. And that's yeah. okay. It doesn't have to be fair. Like fairness in a relationship, I think is a contributor or a catalyst to the failure of that relationship because nothing in life is fair. But, it, but I mean, if life was fair, like in your racing career, everybody would be on the podium, but no, there's one through 20 on the grid, right? That's how it works. That's, that's how the competition ends at the finish line. But today fairness is basically, uh, you know, it's infused in the fabric of society, even in elementary schools, because all children are given a participation trophy. There's no first place anymore in many sports. I, I mean, I agree. And that's all bullshit. Like there's a winner and there's a loser. You better learn the lesson when you're six instead of when you're 36 and you're, you know, miserable and your life's going nowhere because you have no coping skills. Like right. learn that lesson young. Um, but I think that it's just getting stuck on that equal word. Like you're, we are, we're equal, but different. Is that yeah. what you could agree to? I would, I would agree with that men and women are equal in society, but we're different. Exactly. And in a right. relationship too, equal, but different. 
And then I'm, really I'm, it's about I'm still I'm still going to be the one that's called upon to defend you in a relationship when the bad guy breaks in the house in the middle of the night and the window smashes on the floor and you hear a bang. I'm not going to elbow you and say, "Okay, well you get this one because I got the last one." I'm I'm the one that's going to jump out of bed and put myself in harm's way. So, so is I don't think that they're fair inherently in the way that you're describing, like, you know, um, you know, men and women are equal and, and fair and all that sort of stuff. It's like, no, we're different and that's okay. I don't yeah. know that I want to apply equality or fairness to a relationship because it doesn't make sense to me. I wouldn't expect a woman to stand close to the road. I wouldn't expect sure. a woman to jump in front of somebody that was trying to rob us. Right. Right, 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 right. But I, I, I know, but I think you're thinking that fair, meaning like it's tit for tat. It's all you're saying equal is, yeah, it's like the whole equality thing. Like, I don't think that we're equal. I think that we're different and that's okay. But equal in importance. Yes, absolutely. Or do you think that men get a little bit ahead because they're the ones that ultimately will be the one that has to risk their life, let's say? No, men see men are the disposable sex. Women are the protected sex. That's why when the ship goes down, it's always women and children first. I mean, it's always been that way. Men have always been disposable throughout society and women have always been protected. If, if, if there is wars, and by the way, we live in one of the most peaceful times, you know, in human history, but if there's a war and two warring Mm -hmm. tribes, you know, get together, who gets killed off all the men. And when the dominating side wins, any children or, or, or teens that weren't either um, brought into their armies or brought into slavery were killed off, that were male. But who was protected? The women. And that, that's where the notion of war brides comes from. Because, I mean, like even as far back as World War II, war brides were still very, very common. When the uh, Germans invaded France and Normandy and uh, Holland and, you know, like all the Dutch people sort of thing, all of the women that complied and entered the frame of the German soldiers were mistreated at the end of the war. They were brought out into town squares and their heads were shaved and they were shamed for sleeping with the German sh- uh, soldiers and abandoning their you know, their families and their husbands and things like that. So women have always been protected and brought into the winner's sort of circle. And that's why women are very adaptive in society. That's why, see, women don't understand this, but men have a very hard time with breakups, right? We don't get it. It's like, you know, you know, we're, we just want to get an answer. And if you get an answer, then you're deemed a stalker. But if, a, but if a woman, you know, gets dumped, then she wants endless meetings. There's emails, there's text messages. She needs closure, all this sort of thing. Uh, like women are generally a lot more adaptive and they can move on very quicker from relationship to relationship. And I think that's because of the war bride dynamic really? where throughout history, they've been conditioned mm-hmm. to adapt to new circumstances and environments. Because if they didn't, they would die. I don't agree with that. It's true though. I think it's because women face their feelings and emotions because they can't help it. It's part of our nature. And that men traditionally in a breakup usually go out and start dating someone right away or they start they start sleeping with other people. They distract themselves and women go through the emotions and they mourn and they cry and they they're miserable and mm-hmm. and then they they work through it where a man's is sort of deferred or delayed or push down. And that's not what that never works either. Yeah, that's not what I've seen. I mean, the amount of like, I've done consults with 1000s of guys now, um, many of them private, some of them even on my podcast channel on my Monday night show. And the amount of men that have like, there's this condition called one itis, 
it's funny, you know, they make up all these terms in the mano swamp and there's this condition called oneitis, which is basically defined as an unhealthy attachment to one woman. And this, this happens when a guy gets dumped, betrayed, cheated on. Um, and he's left in this broken state where he doesn't, he doesn't get it. I did the right thing. I took care of her. I took care of her kids. I, you know, insert all the things that, you know, were done, like all the reasoning behind it. And she's off already sleeping with a bunch of other guys. I don't see that dynamic, you know, happening with women where they mourn as long as they say that they do. And historically speaking, again, back to the war bride dynamic, think about it throughout history. When men were killed off, what were women's options? They didn't, they didn't have the resources or the capacity to usually take care of themselves. So they would have to adapt to whatever was conquering them, you know, whatever was dominating them. Um, it's also one of the reasons why, you know, back then, you know, the nomadic, the nomadic hunter gatherers sort of people that we were, uh, you know, women were generally shared, you know, the Bob, Bill and Patrick go out to hunt, uh, you know, the saber tooth tiger and only Bob comes back. Well, guess what? Bob's taking care of everybody else's family now too. And he's probably sleeping with the wives as well. Right. That's just the way that things work because men were always treated as disposable. You don't mm -hmm. like that though. I can see that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, I just don't agree. What about, um, what about the perspective of vulnerability? Like there's such a, such a movement and culture for men to get more vulnerable. Nah, I'm going to guess you think that's some bullshit right there. So I'm, I'm curious what, what that means. And, you know, cause we're talking about emotions. And so like, I do disagree. I think that women process a relationship quicker and get out of that emotion earlier because they've dealt with it. They've gone into the depths where I don't think a man does. And I think this sort of plays into this area of vulnerability of a man. Who does a man talk to? I mean, look, like I talk to my girlfriends, like they are, I have therapists, but I also have girlfriends, which play like therapists almost. Mm -hmm. And it just takes talking things through. And I don't know how a man operates in those spaces. And so, you know, where does, what is, what is your, what are your thoughts on the area of vulnerability and men? Yeah. Men have been told to be more, more vulnerable. Haven't they? How does it sit with you and your girlfriends though? When a guy, you know, turns into a total pussy. I think there's definitely a fine line. There's a fine line between a pussy and a man that owns his feelings. There's the layer deeper right? There's the actual true feeling of how you are. Like mm -hmm. to me, like a, an alpha man is someone who just knows that they're strong, knows what they, uh, that has their strong beliefs and believes in what they're capable of. And they don't have to go spreading that the words all around. They just know it. So there's like an inner energy. And so I think that it's that, that layer deeper where a man can be honest and share and connect and tell you the truth about something that he might be feeling and completely own that with confidence. And then there's so, some that don't. And it's the yeah. it's the truth of the energy versus what the words are sometimes. I think that are the real energy is the real truth. That's why some people have charisma and some people are, mm. you know, draw people in. It's like an energy. It's it's not you can have two people saying the same things and one of them actually believes it and the other one doesn't. And those are two different realities. Yeah, I think what you just defined is that women like men that just get it. You know, that, like you don't want to tell guys how to solve that problem. You don't want to solve the problems for like women aren't generally kingmakers. They want to be with a king. 
You know what I mean? Like they want to be with a guy that's, that's got it figured out. So when it comes to that feeling emotions or being vulnerable, your dog dies, be emotional. You know, you lose your parents, fine, be emotional. It's required. You have to grieve through that part. Brenda from accounting was mean to you today. You don't want to hear about it. I mean, personally for my friends, if Brenda at accounting was mad, mean to one of my girlfriends, I'd be like, fucking get over it. But most women would want to have a big conversation about that. Let's get together. We'll pour some wine. Let's bust out the cheese, get the charcuterie board going. Let's, you know, let's talk about Brenda and what a bitch she is sort of thing. What about just being heard? Be heard. Absolutely. But, but I mean, the point that we're making about this, about this concept is that women want men to just get it. And it's okay to be vulnerable in certain circumstances. It's okay to cry in certain circumstances that are warranted, but most men get emotional and get vulnerable and cry over the littlest things, which turn women off. You know, men don't understand this, that they want, women want men that just get it, that are competent, that can solve problems, that can get things done, that can make it rain. Um, they don't want to deal with a crybaby. You know, one of the things you hear a lot of women say, and, um, you know, after I got divorced, I was dating a lot of divorced women as well. Cause I was, you know, looking at women around my sage, same age group. And one of the questions I was always asking, so why did you get divorced? So what happened? And, and I heard a lot of, oh, you know, he was a big baby. He couldn't keep a job down. He was such a pussy. He wasn't a man. He was a big beta, you know, big cry baby, uh, you know, like all of these things. And it's like, huh, that's interesting. But who was the guy that you married? Right? Like, you know, did something change? And one of the things that happens to men in long-term relationships I've noticed is this, this concept that I call the Pacific, sorry, it's not the Pacific, it's, it's, the beta, it's the betatization through a thousand concessions. You see what I'm saying? So it starts with something like, hey, Rich, you know, don't brush your teeth over there. You're going to get toothpaste on the carpet. Then it goes to make sure you put the white socks in the white hamper and the black socks in the black hamper. Then it goes, Come on, to, now that one just makes sense. Let's okay. go vegan together. <laughs> And then it's, and then it continues to go concession after concession after concession. Sure, sure. And the, and the thing is, is that women, truthfully, they don't want men to make that many concessions. I understand the organized part. Like I understand, you know, the laundry thing and all that sort of stuff. But as soon as you start stamping everything, yes, 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 yes. And then you give her the stamp and she starts stamping everything. Yes. Her interest in that guy declines dramatically. Agreed. Because here's the deal. He doesn't know who the fuck he is. Right. And, and you, why do is you that? like a girl to not know who the fuck she is either? Like, don't okay you want a girl to uh, contest no. with every now and again? Don't you want a little bit of a challenge? I mean, you know, there, there, there's like a perfect ratio. It's like a one to five ratio. I'm trying to think uh, it's a uh, Hoffman. No, it's um, I'm trying to think it's a marriage uh, couple that researches marriage, but there's a perfect ratio of disagreements that need to happen in a relationship. And, you know, I don't know what your thoughts are on Jordan Peterson, but he'll talk about that too. You don't want it easy. You want some level of challenge that is required for the relationship to be strong. You don't want to push over. Do you, do you I want disagree. to push over girl? I, I don't want to come home to a disagreeable bossy bitchy woman. I want to come home to a loving woman. Of course, a, a, a woman wants a loving man, but you don't, you, you can't tell me that you do, you want a woman to make a thousand concessions for you and that you'd still respect her. I would. For what? Because she's not a man. Men and women are different. Remember that. You know, we talked about that before. Men and women are different. Just because you want, see, I think the great lie that a lot of women have subscribed to when they're drunk on this Kool-Aid is they've been told to behave like men. 
oh, you have to be somewhat disagreeable. You have like there's a certain ratio because Jordan Peterson Definitely not. said so. That's not true. That's not true. Is it? It's not true. That's just called autonomy. Is it though? Yeah, absolutely. Because no two people are identical. Right. But it's not like we could all just agree on everything. So just like you're going to know who you are and I would know who I was like, you're mm. not always going to agree. So you can respectfully disagree or you can have the discussion, change your mind. Perhaps I actually like part of doing this interview is I was hoping you could change my mind on some things because I think because then I know I've learned something because well, I'm I'm open minded. That's that's like the fascination is that cool. Teach me something new. But I know I have my convictions about myself. I know who I am and I'm not just going to bend over in every single category so a man can feel good about himself or so he cannot be challenged. Yeah, but believe it or not, it's he's not he's not trying to feel good about himself by not arguing with you. He just doesn't want to argue with you. He he just wants peace in his life. Right. Now, I get that not many men are competent and deserve a peaceful life. I understand that. There's a lot of <laughs> losers out there, a lot of weak men that get challenged by women for a reason. I get it. I, I fully understand that. But a guy like me, I, I don't want a confrontational woman in my life. Right. It's, it's, it, it's not needed line. and it's unnecessary. And I'm, I'm competent enough and I'm successful enough and influential enough that I don't need to put up with that sort of thing. So while I get that a lot of women have told have been told to be strong and independent and decisive and you know to some degree like women i think today are more disagreeable than they ever have been in, in history yeah but i don't think that it's because we're being told to it's because we are it's because people are getting more confident with who they are well it's because women don't need men anymore no, nobody needs anybody don't they do they i don't know that's a great question What's the point of a relationship? What's the point? I love the question. What is the point of being in a relationship? You're so, essentially talking about not being challenged, but my experience and all of the people that I know and the books that I read and the shows that I watch, mm -hmm. relationship is the greatest place to grow because it's going it to challenge be. you. It can't, but not because of the challenge. Having challenges, like I have challenges in life, Danica. I run businesses. I have investments. I have real estate. I, you know, I have supercars that break down all the time. Like I have enough challenges. But nothing taps into your emotions like a relationship. No, no, that's wrong. Really? Men, successful men that are doing something with their life do not want disagreeable women in their life. They want a compliment to their life. They want a woman that adds value to their life. They don't want to fight and argue over, well, this weekend we're going to go shopping for curtains and they have to look like this. And it's like, after I've just been busy all day doing all this shit, putting out fires, you're going to yell at me about curtains now? Oh, that's, yeah. I mean, that's a uh, shitty challenge. That's, that's a shitty challenge. That's what a lot of guys are dealing with, though. The real challenge is the getting triggered part. The real but challenge believe is Believe it or like not, Danica, there, there, there are good relationships out there where there aren't constant challenges. There aren't constant disagreements. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a There's a compliment to one another's lives sort of thing. Um, one of the things that I wanted to mention as well, too, because you brought up Jordan Peterson is, you know, I think he does more good than he does harm. And I, I, I think you've had him on a podcast, have you? Yeah, I have. Yeah. So, um, you know, he's an interesting guy, but I think that he gets marriage wrong. I think he gets relationships wrong. Um, there was an advertisement that I saw on the Daily Wire and they were pumping out this thing about Jordan Peterson's three-part series on, on marriage. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting because I have a chapter in my book on why smart men don't marry anymore. So I went and bought, you know, the subscription, I watched it and I did a video podcast on it. Um, you know, you can go find it on my podcast channel, the unplugged alpha, but the, 
the thing that he gets wrong is that his entire notion about a good marriage, about a good relationship, by the way, he's only had one, okay? His entire notion is built around negotiating in that relationship. And what you're basically talking about is negotiating desire. I'll, I'll do the chore play. I'll do the dishes, put them away, take care of the laundry, run the kids to the soccer meet and the swim lessons, all that sort of stuff. Uh, and I need you to do the, you know, this, that, and the other thing sort of thing. It's like, you know, you sort of start negotiating back and forth with this and that, or I'll give you this, or you can hang up that picture if I give you these curtains sort of thing. And it's like, he wants to continuously encourage guys to negotiate in a relationship. And I don't think that that's, that's a good idea because you can have a good relation. Trust me, because I'm in one right now. You can have a good, like I've been in shit relationships where you're constantly fighting and there's all this, you know, headbutting sort of, you know, I was married to a lawyer. Like I've, like I've dated a lot of successful women. Okay. Um, you know, lawyers, accountants, you know, stuff like this. So you can be in a good relationship and not have to negotiate anything in the relationship. She has genuine burning desire for me. Right. And I feel the same way about her and it's mm -hmm. organic and I don't have to fight over anything like that. Um, mm -hmm. He doesn't even talk about basic concepts like vetting women for marriage. Like, let's take a look at any red flags that might exist in her life that we might not want to invite into our life to complicate it unnecessarily. So, you know, like his stuff is pretty good and he definitely does more good than bad. But I, I really think he gets like this notion of just ramming men into the slaughterhouse of marriage, which is what happens to most guys. Believe it or not, here are the stats. So um, they've done these surveys and over an average, I think it was 8.1 years. Take a guess how many couples were still in love, you know, defined as in love, like what percentage? 30%. 13. 13. Take, take a guess how many define their relationship as blissful, like we're blissfully oh, in love. Like 3%. Exactly. That's bad. That's terrible. That's what horrible. What the fuck is wrong? And 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 why would you as a guy sign up for something that would look like marriage? Poor girl, you are acting like it's only guys that are miserable. I, I'm not saying it's just guys, but but the risk factor that most guys have, which is exclusionary to you because you're successful in your own right from your own career, but most guys, like Kevin from you know the VP department of the uh, sales team conveniently almost always, you know, will be making $280,000 a year. will conveniently marry, you know, Becky, who's a $40,000 a year hairdresser, right? So the risk for guys is they're getting themselves into a, a situation or an environment where it's now their entire wealth and their future wealth potentially and access to their kids if they have them, because women still get the vast majority of custody orders is very, very high risk and potentially low reward for them in a marriage. But for women, it's high reward and low risk because they get the custody, because they are always taken care of with family law, because they can pull the false domestic violence trigger sort of thing. So there's a lot of moving parts to this that most women don't get until they finally get sort of thing, right? And I'm not saying that any of this, you know, needs to change, or we should rally the troops or anything like that. Again, I'm the enjoy the decline guy, right? So I'm just like, you know, draw a perimeter, watch them do what they want to do, and I'm going to protect mine. And, you know, there's us versus them sort of thing. So it's, it's a very interesting dynamic when you take a look at it for what it really is. You know, like we said earlier, you know, there's truth and lies. So what's the point of a relationship? Well, the point of marriage, if we're going to bring it to... But you don't believe in marriage though, right? No. no I... Okay. And I'm totally like, I have been questioning that institution for years now. Like, do you really need marriage to make this thing real? I mean... Well, the thing about marriage that most people don't understand, there's a really good book by Stephanie Kuntz called The History of Marriage. You should check it out. Um, and 
the TLDR version of it is that the reason why we've been getting married for you know hundreds of years and all this sort of stuff ever since the advent of agriculture and all that is the acquisition of in-laws, right? So I'm successful as a, a farmer. My brother is a, a blacksmith. My other brother is a, a teacher. My dad is a law enforcement guy. Your side of the family, you got a, a chemist, you got somebody that's uh, you know, mob boss sort of thing. Like, you know, like you would you would blend the families and yeah. you well, would then talent. have the acquisition of in-laws and guess what now you're taking care of your own but that's changed in well, that was where history. it was community based where it Correct. was like a now big it's community. the state that is the head of the household right yeah the family is no longer the head of the household the man is no right. longer head of the household the state is the head of the household and in mm -hmm. fact you could argue that women have all the power with the state behind them because of the way that family law is written and the advantage of being the mother and usually being the lower income earner in most relationships i guess again with the exception generally of somebody successful and accomplished as yourself sort of thing so you know what's the point of marriage today? I don't see any point in it, right? You know, if my girlfriend said, well, if we don't get married, then I'm going to leave. I'll just, okay. It was nice knowing you, right? Like I, like I am, I, I have to surrender to that fact because I've acknowledged that it's, it's too risky and it's too difficult for me to go through that again. Right now, do you want to have kids? I think that a two parent household is the best way to do that. Do you need to get married to do that? Not really. Can you get married if you really want to? Um, can you lower the risk by vetting, you know, the, you know, who's going to potentially be the mother of your kids? Can you, you, you know, there's lots of things that you can do to sort of improve the odds of not throwing your life down the to toilet bowl, so mm -hmm. to speak. But, it, it, you know, we're in a very different and difficult time when it comes to both the sexes. Like I understand yeah. men's point of view very well and talking to you about this, you know, from the female pers you know, perspective, I get that you say certain things and, and, and why you say them, but Again, I still think that men and women are better together than they are apart. It's just we we have to work together and stop trying yeah. to work against each other. So interesting because there can be so many expressions of the same the same truth, which is what I totally believe in, which is we're being called to honor each other in our differences, truly, truly respect them, honor them. And if you, if a man can pick me up and hold me and respect all the things that I can do, and I can do the same for his talents and abilities, then when you come together, that's much more magical than someone being offended, someone being triggered, someone thinking that they should or shouldn't have to do something. It's more about like, what are you really good at? What are you really good at? And let's be freaking awesome together. And then how do you, how do you infuse and blend all of that into our biological imperative that we've evolved to, to be? Cause that's difficult, right? Cause then you start including things and other elements into that relationship that most people don't even understand. I think that when it comes to marriage and what you were just talking about, you know, again, I have a lot of the same curiosities and thoughts about it all, but when it comes down to like squeezing that last little bit out, what it feels like is. If you believe that this person is your person so wholeheartedly and you're so in love, then getting married is like, oh, well, sure, I guess if you want, like we're going to be together forever anyway. This is how much I love you. Mm -hmm. And so there is something to be said about culture's perception, including mine, and I question marriage, um, about the all in quality of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you agree with that? Look, man, we could we could spend hours on this topic of marriage and the dynamics and the opportunities and the risk factors and all that sort of stuff. It's it's a multi-layer, multifaceted yeah. uh, discussion that 
that could go for quite a long time. But I mean, like the reality of it all, I find is that, look, if you can have a good long-term relationship, then that's great. But I still believe that there's certain boundaries as a guy, and I'm speaking from the man's perspective, right? I think there's certain boundaries that you have to set within the uh, terms of that relationship before you would consider uh, inviting her closer into your life. You know, whether that's a live-in you know, situation or if you wanted to call it marriage or living under the state's rule or, you know, guise of marriage and whatever that happens to be. Um, it's, it's, we live in difficult times. This is not our grandparents' era. I just think a lot of magical things happening too, which I think that we're in a time where things can be rewritten. So if you were to sort of deduce things down to a couple of things for each side, for each gender, for a man and a woman to embody moving forward that would create better relationships, what would that be? The the optimal situation is having a society of strong, masculine, competent, resourceful, successful men. Now I get not everybody can be at the top of the hierarchy, right? There's, you know, there's worker bees, there's, you know, there's drivers of the bus and passengers on the bus sort of thing. Like all that notion has been, you know, explained a million times. Um, but the the best experience that you're going to have as a guy, in my opinion, is doing that work. You know, I always say, you know, do the work and people are like, well, what does do the work mean? It means do the work, right? Are, are you the best version of yourself? Are you in the healthiest body? Are you as successful as you can be? Do you have a great network of friends? Uh, you know, I always say your network is your net worth. Like you could take my resources, my money, my cars, my house, my assets, take them all away from me, leave me with my network and I will be back with all of that stuff within about a year or two, right? Like, so you know, become that guy, right? Like do the work on yourself. You know, men again are viewed by women as success objects and women are viewed, are viewed by men as beauty objects. So my advice for women is different. I have a daughter, you know, my advice to her is going to be preserve your value. Don't be promiscuous. Um, you know, I was having this conversation and Somebody said to me, you know, like, what do you think the best way is for a woman to find a high value guy? Because there's this notion of high value, you know, going out there right now. You've probably heard it. He's a high value guy. She's a high value. Okay, whatever. So what's the best way for a woman to find to to get married and have a high value guy in her life and have a family? I, I thought, okay, well, that's an interesting question. So let's think about that. What a high value guys respect and value? Uh, well, women that are preserved, right? Like they Like they haven't run around. They haven't been with a hundred guys. They didn't, like, there's not... Instagram and TikTok videos of her in uh, Cabo, in Tulum, in Cancun, at Ibiza, all these foam cannon parties in Vegas. Like, I'm not looking at that, right? So, okay, so there's that. So, you know, preserve your value that way. You know, obviously be beautiful, be feminine. And I would then say, you know what? Go get a job in high ticket sales, sell private jets, sell high end real estate, sell, you know, like, you know, you want to get in rooms with successful high value men. That's probably what you're going to have to do. Right. So, I mean, that would be optimal, I think, you know, for a woman in today's world, but the dynamics can be different, you know, for everybody, like the conversation, I think is going to be different and every parent's going to have a different conversation with their kids. But at the end of the day, you're never going to get away from the fact that women view men as success objects and men view women as beauty objects. You can, you can get upset about it and you may not like that jagged little pill, but that's, that's the reality. Like that's why Leonardo DiCaprio ends up breaking up with a girl every time she hits 26 or whatever the number 25, is 25. 25. And then he, <laughs> and then he gets shamed. And why doesn't he just grow up and find a woman his own age? He doesn't need it? to. Exactly. Because he doesn't need to, because he has that option in his life. Right. So, you know, 
that's what men default to when they have the capacity. Now, the, now the problem, okay, so what if we take the Leonardo DiCaprio thing out of the equation and we're not dealing with a high value guy because he can't, right? Like what if you take the average guy that's, you know, Kevin, the VP of uh, sales sort of thing, makes $280,000 a year, right? You know, he's not Leonardo DiCaprio. He's not going to get, you know, young women, dump them at 25, get another one and do it repeatedly over the next couple of decades, right? Okay, so now he's got to be that guy. Now he's going to find, you know, a woman that he's going to want to, you know, get into a relationship with and she has to find that guy that she wants to be in a relationship with. The interesting thing is, though, when you start paying attention to what women's demands are today, they have a fascinating long laundry list of demands in what they expect from a guy, right? He's got to be competent. He's got to be tall. He's got to be funny. He's got to be fit. Did you ever hear about this? There's this website called the Female Delusion Calculator. No, that sounds terrible. Okay. So somebody put this together. I think, I think one of these black pill guys, you know, sort of thing, but anyway, they, they, they went through the statistical data in North America because women have this long list of demands. Like for you, you're how uh, tall? Five one. Okay. So you're, you're short then. So I'm set any guy. Yeah. So like any guy will work for you. Right. So, but most women today I do like really tall guys though, for some reason, of course, of course. So like, do you have a line in the sand? Like you like six foot tall, six foot two. No, I don't care. You just got to be taller than you. Yeah. Taller, taller than me in, in, in heels is Danica standard. So there you go, exactly. guys. Okay. So, so there's that standard, but women beyond that usually have the standard of he's got to be six foot tall. He's got to have a six figure income. Um, he's got to be competent. He's got to be funny. He's got to be able to fix things. He's got to be strong and alpha and virtuous, but he also has to have a soft side too as well. Right. And, uh, you know, they'll keep going down this long laundry. He's got to have six pack abs. He's got to have broad shoulders. He can't have hair on his chest. He's got to have hair on his head. You know, like he's got to like all of these things. And the funny thing is, is on this female delusion calculator, there's only, I think, four elements there. He's, he's single or married. He's over six foot, uh, his income and uh, physical appearance. So whether he's fat or if he's uh, fit, right? Okay. And when you punch in the data and, and it spits it out, if you're looking at a guy that's say 40 years old, take a, take a guess what percentage of the male population in North America is over it's six foot tall, has a six figure income, is not obese and not married. 10%? Less. It's like less than 2%. Or the sixes. I just heard about that too. Yeah. The six sixes is something that I got introduced to at a party like 20 years ago. I told the story in a video once. I'll, you know, I'll tell it to you and your audience again. So um, this, this party I was at, this, you know, this friend of mine's wife said, you know, Rich, you got it all. I got to set you up, you know, set you up with my girlfriend. You probably got the six sixes all of a sudden. The other thing I'm like, what the hell is a six sixes? Like, what does that even mean? She's like, Six foot tall, 600, uh, 600 horsepower car, uh, six figure income, six pack gabs, six month out of a relationship and six inches in the pants. And I'm like, you don't know the last one, but yeah, thank you. Um, but <laughs> that's just the starting point today, right? Like, like that doesn't, like that doesn't even begin to qualify most men. So women have these incredibly high standards of men, like these big asks. And I think that if they're looking for a, for a relationship, a lot of women today kind of need to check themselves and take a look in the mirror because even that 3% of guys out there that would, that would qualify to meet you, you're not even close to what they're looking for, right? I mean, if you got, you know, 50 grand in debt and a, and a beat up old 15 year old Honda and three kids from three different fathers, I'm not, I'm not interested. Nothing like not even a date. Goodbye. Right, right, right. right. Okay. Well, so, what are the, what are the big asks of a girl then? 
that's what we just talked about. It's that big long list that they have, right? No, Those you're are big like ass. a man for a woman. What does a what does a man look at and they go, if, if she's got these things going oh, on? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's really funny. Um, a friend of mine once said that men's standards are so low that she's just sexually available. That's it. <laughs> Um, I mean, there's some truth to that. I'm sure that's, that's the biggest part of it. Now, beyond keep that, that one around forever. So no, no, but you know, beyond that, if, you know, if we're going to date and do things, it's like, look, um, here's my life and I'm going to invite you into it. You know, do you like, like, I like doing supercar rallies, you know, with my friends and I like having, you know, my gal in the passenger seat, she comes along and they sit around with all the wives and girlfriends and we laugh, and we have a good time sort of like, these are the things that I like to do. And if she's going to enter my frame and want to be a part of that and come along for the ride, then that might be interesting to me. Right. But if it's, you know, like the latter where it's three kids from three different fathers and a bunch of debt and a busted ass car and all kinds of problems, it's like, don't make your problems, my problems. Um, I, I'm, you know, I'm just not going to deal with that. And that's a lot of what guys deal like men complain today relentlessly, perpetually. If you go to my um, Twitter, then usually at least once a week, I get something that, you know, people DM me and there's a post and it's like a screenshot of, of some gal's dating profile. And she's like, um, if you're just a player or a F boy swipe left, um, I'm six months pregnant. I've got two kids already, three cats. And I'm a stay-at-home mom, and I'm looking for a guy that's looking for a serious relationship. And it's like, what loser would sign up for that? No, life? why do you start there? Like, what's wrong with her that she's starting there? Is a it's good very question. Common. It's it's, it's it's very common. So that's the starting point for a lot of women today when it comes to you know like hitting on guys is they just air their dirty laundry. Like women now on TikTok, you know, I've noticed this trend now on uh, TikTok, and I posted this in the last uh, week or so. There's a video that I came across. They're airing their notch counts on social media and they're, and they're telling the world how many guys they've been with, you know, that That's it didn't work cool out for anyone and to it's say. not their fault. Right. It's like, oh my God, this is where we are today that we've reached. I mean, this, this level is the bullshit female empowerment stuff that I just don't agree with. Like, that's not cool for anybody that's, either way. Like no guy goes. should say that. No girl should say, say that. I shouldn't say that either. Right. Agreed. So I've heard that for the most part, men want to feel like they're, they want to be respected. Respect is huge. And needed. But if, see, if you're respected, then you're loved automatically. Yeah. I yeah. believe anyway. But there's women that disrespect men continuously in front of the public. You know, when you see it, you can't unsee it. You know, you, I was at the grocery store the other day. Um, she's pregnant. She's got two kids in the buggy and, you know, the skinny goofy guy is in the diaper aisle and he puts the diapers in the, you know, the buggy and she yells at him. That's not the one you got to put in there. Da, 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 Bob, you're such an idiot. What's the matter with you? You're retarded. Da, da. It's like, um, just put my head down. I keep going sort of thing. Right? Uh, but that's the, you know, that's the life that a lot of guys, you know, sign up for today because they're not, they don't have one better options Two, They're not good at vetting women, the inventory, you know, the available, uh, like, women out there that are of some quality standard that are worth inviting to your life are, are down dramatically. So yeah, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of moving yeah. parts to this, but this isn't a Danica Patrick pro problem though, right? Like this is, this isn't something that you have to deal with, obviously. I, I'm severe. It's totally challenged. You, what sort of problems do you have you in know, dating and love? find a guy that can stay confident, like with someone that's wealthy and well-known, that's very hard. Yeah. You, you're going to find that, that they want to see men want to feel like they're respected and needed and 
again, because women are hypergamous and you know, you want to look up and across to a guy. So you have to be able to look up at him. Like you want to be with a giant, right? So how, so how hard is it for a successful race car driver that, uh, hosts TV shows, has her own, own, own podcast done well in life to find a guy like that. And a lot of these guys, by the way, they're not necessarily looking for that, right? They're, they're usually looking for younger women. Like the, they don't really care about, about a woman's accomplishments. There's no guy that's ever said, again, look at the degree on her wall. Mm -hmm. Look at that. That's, ooh, that's hot. No, 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 no. The problem is, is that it's triggering. Like, because it's not that, it's not that I can't respect this, the other, the, him, even if he makes less or is less successful or whatever those things are, it's that he doesn't respect himself in my company. Well, that's a big turnoff for women, right? I mean, I think in general for men, that is the problem. I don't think it's, I'm not right. Could that, is that not, am Where do you I live on the West that? coast? Huh? Where do you live in the West coast? Scottsdale. Oh, Arizona. Okay. So, I mean, uh, that's, that, that's not, I mean, that's not California. No. Right. Like, you know, there's it's becoming California because they're all coming here. But right, right, right. OK, so, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you're going to have more like sort of stronger guys in a state like Arizona than you will in a place like California. But I get it. Like it, it, it's it's definitely hard for women. Like I know a lot of women like you, right, that, that, that are that are up there. They've done something with their life. They've they don't need a guy. Right. Like their life is set everything is good. You know, it's like, you know, if he comes in my life and he looks good with me when we go out and sort of thing, we have a good time and that's awesome. But there's a lot of women in your position where they end up settling and they end up settling for like the best that they can get sort of thing. And even though, you know, uh, it happens and it goes that, you know, that route, th they're, they're generally not happy is what I find. Right. And, and then they, I mean, if they don't need the guy, then they'll just let him go. Right. Because they, because they're better alone than they are with somebody that's an anchor in their life. You know, we have anchors in sales in life, obviously. And, you know, when our sales fill with wind, they take you to the next port of call and you have, you know, a great time sort of thing. And there's anchors that hold you back. And I think women are fastidious when it comes to um, their level of tolerance for guys they can't look up to, that they don't see as a giant, that they um, don't want to, you know, that they won't respect sort of thing. So yeah. it's, it's going to be difficult for somebody like you in your position to find somebody that's of that caliber and higher, um, that will just say, Hey, you know, babe, we'll see you later on after you host that show tonight. Yeah. Or is a, or is not that caliber, but can respect it and not be triggered or not feel insecure. So, okay. I've taken a lot of your time. What, what advice would you have? You can give it for men or men and women or separately. What advice would you have that would help the person be led into the right relationship. Well, it's different advice again for men and women. That's fine. Then go ahead and separate them out then. Um, for women. Well, I, I'm going to describe the kind of woman that I want. I've already kind of done this, you know, uh, throughout our conversation, but for me as a leader, a guy that is competent, successful, you know, all those things. Again, I want a woman that's a compliment to my life. Right. Like I want her to add value. I don't want to come, you know, and deal with a disagreeable, uh, you know, woman that's going to create havoc or potential difficulty in my life, invite chaos, invite, you know, unnecessary nuances sort of thing. Um, I, I don't want to deal with the unhappy or the unlucky. You know what I mean? So, you know, for a woman, like she needs to be that gal. That's, that's the sort of gal that I would look for, but that's not, that's not what most women are today. And that's not what most women are, are hearing as far as influences. Like, 
the biggest influences out there, like who are they? Uh, Lizzo, you know, you're beautiful at any size, oh, please. Uh, Kim Kardashian, you know, like she's a huge icon out there. You know, I mean, feel bad for Kanye, but Kanye, you know, he hasn't got his head screwed on right either. You know, you got guys like Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith. Oh my God, the slap. Like, dude, you let your wife sleep with your son's best friend and then you aired it on TV in front of the world, right? So th these sorts of things when I was a kid are, were unheard of, but this is normalized in, so in society today. So you got to get away from all of that nonsense, from all of that garbage. And, you know, if you're a woman, you want to identify the kind of guy that you want and then be the woman that he wants to be with. And I'm telling you right now, you know, as a guy that's at that level, and I have a lot of, you know, friends in my network that are very successful entrepreneurs or eight, nine figure guys, you know, we do fun and cool stuff together. Uh, many of them are in long-term relationships. And to be honest with you, they're really not that interested in other women, right? Like they're fine. Other women pose extra problems for them, unnecessary problems sort of thing. So a lot of these guys are already taken too, you know, so that's the problem as well. So rather than spending your twenties partying, getting 17 degrees, you know, on the wall, I think that your best use of your youth, which is when you're most valuable to men is to develop yourself into that woman that that guy that you want to be with is if that's the guy that you want to be with happens to be, you know what I mean? If you want to get degrees and climb the corporate ladder and do all that stuff, that's fine. But don't be surprised, you know, if you're 41 with three cats and you want to have a family and no guy is interested in you or you can't conceive because it's too late sort of thing, right? Like there's like- I'm almost 41 with two dogs. Well, uh, men and women are on different time scales, right? You know, there's, there's, there's medical miracles today that would, that would still allow you to have a family, obviously. I right? did freeze my eggs when I was 33. Okay. So, I mean, like you could still have, children, obviously. Right. Yep. But I mean, if your goal right now is a, like, like, is your goal a family? Like, what is your goal today? Boyfriend, no. family? No, I don't. I don't. doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. Adventure. Yeah. I th well, see, that's the thing. I mean, you want to get clear on your goals, you know, exactly. if you, want to achieve you do. Them. So if your goal is to have a family, to have children, then you should be explicit about only doing things that lead towards that. If your goal yeah. is adventure, then yeah. why did you bother freeze your eggs? Security, safety blanket, safety net. Yeah. Yeah. Just insurance. Yeah. So I think you need to get clear on what your agenda and what your goals are and really stick to that. And like, again, understand evolutionary psychology and what men and women are evolved to do and be in relationships and how relationships do work and how and what women respond to what men respond to and if you want to get a good response you know you have to feed that you know sort of thing all right if men could do one thing to make themselves into the man that is consistent and attracts the right kind of partner girlfriend wife whatever that is what would it be what would you recommend to them it's nothing else other than chase excellence in your life. Make something out of yourself. There's too many guys today. I feel, I feel, say so I just said, I feel, I think that are <laughs> too, it's, pro it's probably the first time in the podcast that I said it actually. Um, there's too many guys today. Kind of. No, but you haven't, I don't know. No, no, but you haven't said, I feel that much. I've been listening to you. You know, you started with, I think, but there's a lot of guys today. I think that are too compliant because they've been told just be yourself. 
And just be yourself is the worst advice I think guys can take. Just be average. No woman wants just average. Even, even the gal that's pregnant with the two kids from the two different dads who's 26 that just got right with God after partying through her 20s, even she doesn't want average. No, no, no. But yourself is not average. That's not the same thing. Right. Be yourself as own who you are. And that will make that everyone is unique and different. And if but you can just own who you are, then you can be great. Right. But the interpretation that most men have today when it comes mm. to just be yourself is just be a nice guy. If you like playing video games, that's good enough. If you like being mm. 300 pounds at five foot seven, that's good enough because you're just being yourself. Right. And this is what guys have been hearing. And that's not what women are attracted to. That's not what then women want to have families with. Exactly. They haven't done the work. So do the work. Yeah. All right, Rich. Thank you so much. That was very interesting. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your perspective and I'm going to keep watching. You got it. Thanks for having me, Danica. Yeah. Thanks everybody for listening to the Pretty Intense podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you heard today and you want to hear more, please click on the subscribe button.